0: Greg Wilpert, guest host for the podcast TheAnalysis.News. The situation in Bolivia at the moment is quite tense. On the one hand, Bolivia is dealing with the coronavirus pandemic just as everywhere else. But on top of that, about nine months ago, Bolivia went through a coup that deposed the leftist government of President Evo Morales and replaced him with a far-right president, Janine Añez. Evo Morales' opponents, including the Organization of American States, the OAS, accused Evo Morales of having committed fraud in the election last year. Morales had agreed to new elections, though, but he was that wasn't good enough, and the police and the military intervened, forcing Morales and his vice president, Alvaro García Linera, to resign. Since then, numerous protests in support of Morales have taken place, including a recent general strike in the second week of August. Joining me today is Catherine Lederberg. She is the director of the Andean Information Network and a researcher, activist, and analyst with over two decades of experience in Bolivia. Thanks for joining me, Catherine.
1: Thanks so much for having
0: me, Greg. So let's start with the uh, political situation in Bolivia at the moment. Now, I mentioned in my intro that uh, there was a uh, general strike, so let's let's start with that. Um, and as a matter of fact, it's, you know, the situation, of course, with the general strike and the political situation that is mixes, of course, with the, um, the situation of the coronavirus. And that's one of the things that actually came up in the news recently uh, is that the government has accused protesters of uh, hindering shipments of medical supplies and that would cause deaths. But before we get into that, I want to just ask you about, well, who was organizing? Who was behind the strike? How long did it last? How effective was it, uh, and uh, how how uh, how many people basically supported it? I mean, was it uh, a general strike? What was the situation?
1: The general strike was quite broad through uh, most of Bolivia's rural areas. It was an amalgam of different social movement actors. The the uh, largest labor union in the country, mining unions, rural farmers, coca growers from both regions uh, bartolina Sisa, the women's organization and they were they were nonviolent blockades um, that in some cases there were sections of the road blocked with dirt or hills knocked out. But for the most part, it was a very strong protest to the changing of the election date for the second time, this time without any legislation, and after the threats the Anya's government made against the head of the electoral court. This moving of elections, because uh, the Anya's administration said, and later the electoral court parroted the same version, that... Uh, The election scheduled originally for next week, September 6th, would occur at the peak of the pandemic and that there would be uh, too many health risks to carry it out successfully. This was something that the head of the electoral court in just two weeks earlier had said was doable and that that was a clear plan so you know there's a lack of clarity of where we're going here or following rules and and people were very very concerned and began to block the roads it's also important to know that at the same time there The intense political persecution has continued of social movement leaders, of hundreds of moth public officials at all levels or former officials, and and, and the concern was building because there has not been uh, a response to requests for dialogue on the other side, flexibility, or any sort of, of retreat in this process. It's amazing that just last night, the INIS administration said they're going to be loosening the public health and safety regulations they had put in uh, in response to the pandemic, which completely contradicts their argument about why elections should be postponed. I think it's key to understand that this government does not want elections. This government has a lot to lose because of the It's poor handling with the pandemic, corruption, and other scandals. So they seem to be seeking strategies to maintain themselves in power. It's important to note that these blockades, which lasted approximately 10 days, began to evolve past a request for... Uh, moving up the election date and and other measures to a very strong movement to uh, force Añez to resign. It's pretty important to remember that Añez did not, does not have a constitutional right to be president. She appointed herself in an almost empty Senate chamber and And the excesses and the irregularities from that point on have have just continued to get worse.
0: So uh, before I dig deeper in the political situation at the moment, I just want to ask you about the uh, situation with the pandemic in Bolivia. Now, Uh, recently, there was an article in The New York Times that painted a pretty dire picture uh, saying that um, the death rates uh, were something like 15 times higher in Bolivia at the moment. Or uh, you know, in in, I guess it was at the height of the the situation, which might have been in late July, early August or so, um, way higher than than they normally are, and um, and that uh, people were having a hard time finding places to bury uh, the the victims, uh, and uh, and uh, that uh, that uh, there weren't anywhere near enough tests. Uh, to find out what the situation actually is like from what you've been able to see what what uh, what is going on in terms of of the pandemic
1: well, I agree that the situation is is quite severe, and that the official statistics don't at all capture the the severity of the crisis and I think there are that there are several reasons for that. one is that the government has no public health approach has no real Uh, way or need to gather statistics. It's not as if there's some sort of strategy to lead to a solution or containment of the pandemic. It's uh, finally now there's greater access to tests, although test results take a long time. Finally, there is uh, some access to health care, but many, many people couldn't get a space in the hospital when they needed one. Many people went to the hospital, didn't receive uh, medic- appropriate medical attention and became a lot worse. So we are beginning to relax uh, the quarantine regulations, but when they lasted, you know, we were in full quarantine for two and a half months here. And that on the part of the central government, although they've received hundreds of millions of dollars of international aid, there is no key policy or strategy put in place and no money dispersed to the local governments to carry out any of these uh, efforts to, to trace contacts or, or have any valid, coherent strategy to address this pandemic.
0: Now, uh, one of the things that you mentioned also was that the um, government itself had been accused of corruption in relation to the uh, uh, <clears throat> the pandemic uh, response. Uh, just tell us, particularly, what that is about.
1: Well, there's a wide range of, of corruption charges, from the phone company to the hydrocarbons company. And then the very key case of over 100 respirators that were purchased from Spain at three times the going price um, that are still not functioning. They don't have functional software. They don't have um, the elements that they need to work, nor are they appropriate for what is most needed, and that is a respirator within the context of an intensive care unit. And this is uh, something that has been reproduced in, in another case of the purchase of respirators from China that has just come to light. But also really important to point out that millions of Bolivianos, several million dollars spent on anti-riot gear equipment for the security forces at a time when the Añez administration knew that the pandemic was inevitable, so you have a problem with priorities. You have cronyism in terms of the companies or the shell companies that are chosen to to buy this equipment and health equipment, and an overall scandal and lack of accountability and, and transparency on where this massive amount of international aid is ending up, although I have my suspicions.
0: Mm-hmm. Well yeah the you're mentioning of the uh the use of money for uh, repressive measures uh, brings me, of course, to the next topic, which is the, precisely what's been going on in terms of repressing uh, the the popular movements in Bolivia and the election campaign that is supposed to be kind of happening, I guess. Uh, I mean, uh, the elections have been postponed, as we mentioned several times now. And uh, of course, with the pandemic, it makes it almost impossible to campaign. But um, talk a little bit about what, uh, what has been happening in terms of the repression oppression uh, and how the campaign is going uh, and then of course you know what uh, uh, the uh, candidate of the mass the movement towards socialism uh, which uh, uh, Evo Morales heads up but which uh, uh, Arce uh, is the candidate now what does that look like
1: well I, I think we're looking at a, a straightforward blatant aggressive political persecution. You know, at at the request of the MAS leadership and in coordination with the MAS Congress, uh, a law was passed sanctioning this October 18th election date, and the protesting sectors um, retreated and voluntarily lifted blockades. But it's important to note that even that didn't slow what has been a consistent series of attacks on MAS leaders both social movement leaders and public officials, and trumped up charges against them, very public announcements of this. So we are going into an election period which supposedly will be free and fair, although right now the only confirmed significant set of electoral observers are the Organization of American States, and we've seen how questionable their electoral audit and and some of the key areas that they face. But right now you have the presidential candidate, the vice presidential candidate, uh, key Senate candidates and other congressional candidates with terrorism, sedition, a violation of public health charges laid on sometimes simultaneously in four different jurisdictions. And this is something that the international community has yet to speak out about for the most part. We really have had silence on the part of, of key actors such as the European Union, the United uh, Nations High Commissioner on Human Rights put out its first report on human rights violations in Bolivia and highlighted this political persecution. But this this idea that that we're going to be able to have uh, elections uh, with this severe political persecution, it, it, it's very hard to imagine how that will turn out. Remember, at the same time that we still have these paramilitary, parastate uh, organizations like the Cochala Youth Resistance, the motorcycle gang that works uh, sometimes in tandem with the police, but obviously with the permission of the police and with links to the Anya's government and Cochabamba elites and the Santa Cruz Youth League. Remember, they do a Nazi salute and... Uh, uh, this is another organization that is uh, a para-state organization. Very violent. They were implicated in, along with the police, with the shooting of uh, forty-seven citizens in San Ignacio de Velasco, Santa Cruz department. That was uh, two weeks ago. Still, some of these people have not received medical attention and have bullets, buckshot, and rubber pellets inside their body. So we have these other actors where the state has deniability, but they have consistently since the October 20th elections and at other times where key uh, decisions are being made in Congress or in rural areas consistently harassed and threatened Moss supporters and other social figures with no legal consequences.
0: Now it seems like there's two major questions, uh, I guess, looming for the elections if they were to happen. One is basically if they're going to happen, um, and uh, secondly, if they do happen, then I'll Will they be fair at all given all of the repression that you've been talking about? But a third question that I'd like to raise, which is also yeah, let's assume that all of this does happen first uh, for, uh, That is that first of all that there is an election, uh, maybe in October, maybe later and uh, that uh, Arce, the candidate, Evo Morales' candidate, is able to campaign properly and uh, what, what do you see his chances, let's say, you know, factoring out the repression aspect, but in terms of this, the popularity of the mass and Arce as the candidate, um, who, you know, I should mention used to be the finance minister for André Evo Morales, uh, what does it look like um, in terms of their uh, popularity at the moment in Bolivia?
1: Well, I, I think that it's important to note there was a significant sector of, uh, people who had previously supported mass that were uh, discontented with Morales' decision to run for a fourth term. But at this period of time, when the right uh, maintains a very racist, anti-indigenous, discriminatory discourse and the level of human rights violations, remember we've had two massacres, and 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 the consistent attacks have really torn people more in favor of the Moss government. It's really hard to know. According to the polls, most polls list uh, Arce with a slight lead over Carlos Mesa uh, and other candidates trailing. But but within the situation of a pandemic, you know, we don't know how profound polls are. Their methodology is not transparent. Polls, especially during this period of time, but always prioritize urban areas uh, where rural areas are often a Moss stronghold. So I, I think that there's concern that Moss might win. And I think that probably in a fair and clean election, they would. It's not clear at this point in time when the votes are counted and and, and the way we're going. And and with little, uh, what I would say, um, independent or credible oversight, we don't know what's going to happen. And we don't, you know, it's an election with a very short turnaround time, October 18th and if no candidate gets a 10 point majority a second round and my assessment is if it goes to a second round all the candidates on the right will again jump into the same basket you know carlos mesa the the former the former president uh, has done very little to denounce human rights violations or the impropriety of the current government. And I think there's this idea that anything's better than a mass return in the mind of the far right. And remember that the Trump administration fully supports the Agnes government. And, and we're looking at a whole series of oligarchs. Figures that really want to return to power. At the same time where you have an international community where the upper echelons seem to be relieved that you know really no longer have to take social sectors, unions, and grassroots seriously or include them as sectors of it in a debate or, or mediation. What I perceive is, and when I hear the discourse from the international community. It's it's very paternalistic. It's it's very neo-colonial, deciding what's best for people who were in government for a very long time, who have very clear proposals and projects. And I, th- I think this is really a setback from the level of engagement um, that existed during the Morales administration. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's very interesting that you mentioned that uh, Carlos Mesa is not denouncing the Añez government because clearly he probably is hoping um, he, uh, that Añez, I mean, uh, she and other uh, opposition candidates will support him in a second round. Now, of course, one of the big weaknesses of the opposition seems to be that they're precisely that they're so divided, right? I mean, um, what does it look like? I mean, uh, is there a, you mentioned that, of course, that, you know, the, uh, that a winning candidate Not only uh, could either win with 50% outright, of course, but also if they get less than 50%, they have to have at least uh, 10% lead over the next closest candidate, which of course gets more difficult if there are too many candidates, um, if the right is is fractioned among too many candidates. I guess my question, though, is... um, well, well. How does it look for Carlos Mesa, and what does he stand for, and and what is he saying in his uh, effort to win over the population?
1: In in all fairness, I don't know what he stands for, because it's been very fluid, and he's been very vague. And although he was, in the October 20th uh, elections, perceived and presented as a middle-of-the-road candidate, a moderate, maybe the same version of a U.S. mainstream Democrat for a for uh, a U.S. audience to understand, but he really has not held up to any of those principles. He's often cited and and gone to political summits with the far, far authoritarian right, which I include uh, both Anyas and Luis Fernando Camacho of Santa Cruz in that category. So know, yeah, I think it's so ironic that he pulled away from Gonzalo Sanchez de losada in 2003, citing human rights violations and an unwillingness to be complicit. Yet in the, he has not acknowledged the two massacres, nor asked for investigations or respect for human rights. So I, I think that he's kind of amorphous, and that. The apparent differences in the right are not as acute as one might think because their idea is kind of a return to this pacted power that we had before Moss first came into office. uh, You know, this idea of making an alliance and dividing up the state into different quotas or different sectors or different ministries for parties to, to... Uh, divvy up the spoils and so you don't have a clear set of proposals you don't have a clear set of programs and you have from no candidate uh, besides Arce a discourse of there needing to be investigations, needing to be transparency, needing to uh, rein in these paramilitary groups that act with impunity at, at, at any time you know, those are all things, you know, proposals for reconciliation, proposals for investigations, proposals for police reform and for armed forces reform. No no one's putting that on the table. I mean, it it seems very much an election about capturing power and on the right, at least keeping power away from MAS and having their own little fiefdoms within the Bolivian state.
0: I want to turn now to... um for our listeners who um, haven't been following the situation that closely in Bolivia to the coup, I mean, what brought us basically to the situation uh, in Bolivia right now. And um, as I mentioned earlier, it it took place last year in October, October 20th, as you said, Um, and um, it was the election, I mean, and then uh, eventually uh, Morales was Uh, where formally what happened is he resigned. But uh, let's reconstruct briefly for our listeners what happened more or less in a nutshell. Uh, That is, there was the election, there were questions raised about the election. What were those questions, and how did that then lead to Morales' resignation?
1: Well, on October 20th, they have two things. They have a rapid count of the election that gives you... uh, preliminary numbers, and that rapid count froze for a period of about 18 hours. This is within the framework of a right that had been uh, calling fraud even six months before the election. So that gray area of the account freezing and then the assessment on the part of some sectors and the doubt that it created for international observers was the suggestion that the trend jumped dramatically in favor of of MAS, which is is not something that is actually shown by the statistics. It wasn't a significant jump. And because of the pressure of all the other sectors, MAS agreed to an audit by the Organization of American States of electoral results and promised it would be binding. as the, none of the other sectors or the other parties agreed. Mesa, who had a, initially promised the OAS and had promised the United Nations that he would engage in the audit, pulled a 180 and, and rejected it. So you had a, a period of time where an audit was carrying, out after elections, the right and uh, Upper middle class Bolivians have blockaded roads in in urban areas for a period of approximately three weeks. But what you saw during this period was an escalation in the demand. So first people were... You know, first, the right and the more conservative forces were demanding a second round in elections. They quickly moved away from a second round in elections to demanding a new election. And after the Morales, after the hastily presented OAS results, which we've now seen, um, have some very significant methodological problems, and I would say some other problems in terms of the Um, interpretation of the data. Certainly, this isn't my area of expertise, but when Morales agreed to a new election that on November 10th, just 15 minutes after the OAS announcement, uh, the sectors continued to attack. Moss politicians burnt down their houses, tortured some of their family members. And in this period of extreme violence, uh, different institutions like the the labor union, but eventually the Bolivian armed forces suggested that Morales uh, step down. You know, we aren't that far off from the dictatorships in the 80s to understand that a suggestion in quotes, it, it's not a suggestion. It's a clear violation of uh, Bolivia's constitution a clear violation uh, of international law and what we saw then was Morales having to go into hiding in the Chapari region before he left and so even as the sectors achieved Morales's resignation they then decided the the violence continued and they went after key other people in the succession the vice president had to flee the head of the senate who was also a Moss person, had her family threatened. The, the head of the uh, lower house of Congress' brother was tortured and his home was burnt down. In this idea to create a power void in which they could s- s- insert someone, you know the, the, Morales made many errors, but in this period, he followed and kept his promises to the international community. And he did not bring the armed forces out against the civilian population. As soon as Morales resigned, the military went out on the streets the next day and started pumping bullets into people. We had seven dead. There were retaliatory attacks on the part of grassroots supporters and Moss supporters. But, you know... Several days later, the government passed a supreme decree guaranteeing, illegally again, impunity for the security forces and they began to pump bullets into the crowd in a period of violence that was sustained and that we haven't seen since October, 2003.
0: Now, I guess the two main uh, incident, or I should say catalysts or incidents that Brought about this coup, I guess, is first of all the the uh, accusations of fraud that were supported by the OAS, and then of course the military uh, asking, uh, supposedly asking Morales to step down. Although I think it's one should be clear, as you suggest, that that uh, it's not really asking; it's really more extortion than anything else. But uh, um, let me just briefly uh, get into uh, those two aspects. I mean, one is the uh, OAS uh, account. Uh, I mean that was really used, it seems, uh, to justify uh, the opposition's maneuvers and also the military's maneuvers to oust uh, Evo Morales. But uh, much later, uh, the Center for Economic and Policy Research did a detailed analysis showing that the OAS count was uh, was misleading. That, uh, as you said, that didn't lead to this huge jump that they claimed in uh, after this. Uh, uh, the interruption. And uh, as a matter of fact, just a couple of days ago, actually, uh, there was a report that uh, CIPA released, uh, the Center for Economic Policy Research, that, uh, sh- that stated they finally got access to the, uh, the uh, official analysis, uh, data analysis of the OAS. And it showed that they had a programming error, uh, which caused the data to leap. And that's why nobody was able to replicate it. And as a matter of fact, uh, MIT researchers said the same thing that uh, the OAS uh, analysis was faulty. So I just, uh, I guess my first question in this regard is uh, what has been made of all of this? I mean, in Bolivia itself, have there been any repercussions in terms of? you know uh, the uh, these uh, analyses that were made outside of the country. Have they reached the Bolivian people? Have has anybody paid attention to it? Has there been any calls to uh, to reflect on what actually happened?
1: Well, I think there have been a lot of calls, and this is something that's uh, we've gotten a lot of news about it in Bolivia. People are very concerned about. With the high level of polarization, there are people who dismiss it completely. Some in the middle that will look at the data. And, and, and then some that felt from the very beginning that the, but that the study was off. You know, the, it's interesting because I talked to somebody at the uh, Attorney General's office who said, we're doing our own investigation and we found lots of errors in the OAS report. It's interesting to note that they're prosecuting Morales officials that certainly are not skewed in favor of Moss. But it really sets up this whole dynamic where we have to look at something that was hastily done uh, with a lack of clarity and then look at the ongoing role of the Organization of American States. And I find that so worrisome. Uh, you, you have Almagro after this, uh, although he had said that Morales should continue and finish his third elected term through the twenty. 1st of January, as soon as Morales left, he said Morales was carrying out a coup, he had very public meetings with members of the far right, including Luis Fernando Camacho, very good rapport with Anya's officials, many of whom are also Gonzalo Sanchez de Rosada officials, and and a, and a very clear bias, and even attacked, for example, when the New York Times presented another study an independent study critiquing the OAS electoral audit ad- attacked the New York Times um, and, and insulted them on his Twitter page. So you have, you have this explosive figure allied with the, the far, far right in Bolivia and the far, far right in Brazil, and, and a lot of, uh, and the, the pick, the Trump administration's pick, uh, showing bias towards Bolivia. Uh, a lack of clarity, and then you know, at the beginning of this week, the shocking—I guess it was the end of last week—his shocking intervention in the Inter-American Human Rights Commission, refusing to renew the contact, uh, the contract of Paulo Abrao, the executive secretary, uh, because although he had been reelected by the commission, so so you don't only see uh, questionable acts from the OAS in terms of uh, electoral observation, but also uh, an intervention in the Inter-American Commission, which is supposed to be autonomous and move independently. The Inter-American Commission, unlike Almagro and the greater OAS, has been quite critical of the gross human rights violations and has been quite pointed in their reports about them and their denunciations. And I think that it's quite telling that immediately after the news came out that uh, Almagro was inappropriately blocking and and saying there were administrative denunciations, but being very vague about it, Abrao's reappointment, a move simultaneously on the part of the Bolivian right to attack Abrao, to present formal denunciations against him for not prioritizing things. It's really this part of this authoritarian far-right playbook that you see here in Bolivia with concerned citizens denouncing blockaders and MAS officials for terrorism. You know, The concerned citizens in the end turned out to be the lawyer for the... Paramilitary motorcycle gang and Cochabamba and other figures, and the cons- and the, them being forced to prosecute in in collusion with the state, forced within within uh quotes. And the same thing that happens allegedly with Almagro. There were other people who were concerned and so he is taking action responsibility. But we see uh you know, and and but we see it over and over again and we see that the moment it's clear that uh that he's pushing Paulo Abrao out, the security forces and, and citizen groups begin attacking all of the people who have a precautionary measures from the Inter-American Court, the violent civilian groups storming into the Defensor del Pueblo's office, uh, threatening to hurt the Defensor de and other employees, kicking in doors, uh, screaming racist chants, and 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 other actions against officials, withdrawing police support. So there's there's a direct correlation between this. Blocking human rights investigations with, with, from Almagro and the OAS towards the Inter-American Human Rights Commission, and at the same time using this as a way to guarantee impunity for these far-right forces.
0: Well, it's really amazing the way the extent to which uh, Amagro, although we know that from lots of other cases, especially his role in Venezuela, has been a f- a factor for enabling the rise of the far right in Latin America. But um, let me just touch very quickly before we end uh, on one other point that I raised earlier, which is the role of the military. And one thing that um, that uh, and this is actually. Uh, raises the question, the, the comparison again to Venezuela, is that uh, in uh, Bolivia, uh, the military decided essentially to side with the uh, with the people who were trying to uh, overthrow Evo Morales. It's something that didn't happen in Venezuela, and we all know why it didn't ha- hasn't happened that way in Venezuela is because uh, Hugo Chavez was a military person himself. He knew the military and uh, made sure that that wouldn't happen. Uh, if uh, if push came to shove now in Bolivia What's the role of the military? I mean uh, did uh, why why do you think that they uh play along in this? Or was it that Morales didn't pay enough attention to them?
1: You, you know, it's, it's rather ironic because Morales paid a lot more attention to them than I thought they deserved they had salary increases they received a lot of equipment, they received an increase in their retirement, to to retirement pay with full salary. Um, You know, the the other element in this that I forgot to mention is that the police mutinied a week before Morales's resignation, demanding the same benefits as the armed forces. I, I think it got to a position, I'm not sure whether the high command was offered money The new high command certainly has, in my assessment, personally benefited, uh, although the armed forces have been in a very uh, questionable position. It's, you know, it wasn't a lack of attention to the military, but it was uh, also this inability to... To restructure or to make them a citizen's armed forces, and I think there are there are a couple reasons for that. One, you have an old guard. One, you have a lot of personal interest. You have temptations on the part of far right, or the suggestion that the tide is turning and that there will be much less oversight. And we certainly see there has been no oversight. Uh, the military high command and uh, promoted itself and other high-ranking officers without congressional approval in violation of the Constitution. So you, you, you have a group that seems to want to gain something, but you have the lower ranks of the police force and the military now wondering why they made that decision. You know, they were put out on the streets to, in repressive control of COVID-19. Many of them got sick um the benefits and the promises for the most part beyond a small raise for the police haven't materialized and there's there's a great deal of discomfort so you know it's clearly a coup a a, a, a textbook coup with with this new kind of trumpian dimension of polarization through fake news i i read the other day on Facebook that I was one of the people that supposedly procuring underage girls to go out with Abel Morales. You know this, this wave of, of of false information. Which has really affected public opinion, and it really, you know, and denial of the massacres. The, the Bolivian government says they shot themselves in the back of the, of the neck. So we have this element that's facilitated a power grab and, and really authoritarian behavior that that is very similar to a dictatorship, but with this new online movement and manipulation of the news. Uh, that kind of reinforces this authoritarian behavior.
0: Okay, well, we're going to leave it there for now. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground, and uh, but I think that's really great. Um, so thanks again, uh, Catherine, for having joined us today. Um, it's been really great to have you on again. Uh,
1: thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, Again, Catherine is the director of the Andean Information Network and a researcher, activist, and analyst with over two decades of experience in Bolivia, specifically in Cochabamba. Thanks also to the listeners for having tuned in to the analysis.news.